Pastor Xavier Reese says, God never turns away those who return to Him. The wisest thing a Christian can ever do when they are backslidden is to repent and turn back to God. The first step is to acknowledge your sin. Second, to confess your sin. Thirdly, to abandon your sin. And whenever possible, fourthly, to make restitution of your sin. It's a choice, ladies and gentlemen. You can stay backslidden, you can stay lost, or you can turn back to God. It's up to you. You cannot blame God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. While on the run from Saul, David had made some bad decisions that in turn reaped some bad repercussions, not only for him, but have endangered his companions as well. But unlike Saul, whose petitions went unanswered by God, God was good to David as he began to seek God's direction once again. Pastor Xavier picks up the account in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30 as we begin today's Simple Truth Study. The message is entitled, David Looks to God Again. David has taken things into his own hands and has fled to King Achish, as you know, king of Gath, in order to escape the persecution of Saul that God never told him to do. He did this in chapter 27, verse 1 and 2. He fled on his own assessment. That's always a bad decision. He has lied. He has lived a life of duplicity, lying to Achish. He has murdered to protect himself during this time. We're going to see a 16-month period. David found himself now in a position of having to go to war against Israel. That meant he would fight against Saul and Jonathan and his brothers. But God in his mercy protected David. As the Philistine princes came and they saw David in the midst of the armies of Achish, they said, he can't go. He'll go into battle, betray us, and ingratiate himself and his favor back to Saul. So David is dismissed by Achish. Now, God intervened sovereignly. David was backslidden. He was disobedient to God during this time. But don't take this to teach or to say, I can do that and God will cover me. This is just mercy, you understand? It's not doctrine. You go out and do dumb things. Don't try to blame God for it. You should not tempt the Lord your God. It's real simple. Now David and his men are making their way back now to the city of Ziklag as they have not been allowed to go into battle with the Philistines. And they discover that the city has been raided by the Amalekites. And that brings us up to speed here. Let me read chapter 30 here. He says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south of Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken captive women of those who were there from the small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went away. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burnt with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. 
And then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Abimelech's son, please bring an ephod here to me. And um, Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And so David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue the troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered to him, Pursue. For you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. So David went, he and his 600 men were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, and those stayed who were left behind. But David pursued he and the 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor. Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they let him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs, two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, and he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. And then David said to him, To whom do you belong, and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, servant of an Amalekite. My master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion in the southern area of Cherethites in the territory that belongs to Judah in the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, Can you take me down to the troops? So he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will take you down to his troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. And then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David discovered, recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, neither small nor great, sons nor daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Then David took all the flocks and herds, and they had driven before those other livestock and said, this is David's spoil. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so weary they could not follow David, whom they had also made to stay at the book Bezor. So they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. Then all the wicked and worthless men of those who went with David answered and said, Because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil that we have recovered, except for every man's wife and children, that they may lead them away and depart. But David said, My brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered into our hands the truth that came against us. For who will heed you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies they shall share alike. And so it was from that day forward that it was made a statute and an ordinance for Israel to this day. Now when David came to Ziglag, he sent some of the spoils to the elders of Judah, his friends, saying, Here is the present for you from the uh, spoils of the enemies of the Lord to those who were in Bethel, those who were in uh, Ramoth of the south, those who were in Jetir, those who were in Eroar, and those who were in, in Shifmoth, and those who were in Estimeah, and those who were in Rechel, and those who were in the cities of the Jezmelites, those who were in the cities of the Kenites, those who were in Harma, those who were in Kerashan, and those who were in Elchat, and those that were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to roam. The account of the raid of the city of Ziklag is laid out for us in three movements here. 
First notice, verse 1 through 10, the arrival and response at scene Ziklag. Then second, verse 11 through 20, the pursuit and informant to aid the recovery of all from Ziklag. And then in 21 through 31, you have the principle of spoils and benevolence at Ziklag. The arrival and response at scene Ziklag is astonishing. Look at verse 1 through 10. The journey took three days. They're coming expecting to just see the city as ever before, coming around that corner. And David's men had been gathered with the Philistines, as you know, at Apex, ready to go to fight with Israel. You have to go back to chapter 28, and at 28, 29, 30 gives you the whole geographical aspect. Ziklag was about 50 miles or so southwest of Apex, where they were at. And Apex was about 40 miles uh, or so north to Jezreel, where they would gather for the facing off of the battle at Shunem. Notice the Amalekites invaded the south, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. And the word invaded means to, be, to strip. It's the same word that's going to be used for Saul in chapter 31, verse 9, where the Philistines come, they strip his armor and all the weapons of the dead soldiers. Now, they are a type of the flesh. They attacked Israel coming out of Egypt in Exodus 17, and God said he would have war with Amalek all the days of his life. Saul has been told to kill the Amalekites. He compromised. He did not. In 1 Samuel 15, he was rebuked. The kingdom's taken away from him. And interesting enough, we'll see that Amalekite gave a false witness that he killed Saul. We'll see that in 2 Samuel chapter 1. And we know that not only did he spare the king, but if you look at the book of Esther, Haman was an Amalekite. He spared others and almost caused the nation of Israel. Your compromise today can bite you 10 years down the road. You understand? So you have to be careful as a Christian. It's like a boomerang. You may have a good arm. You may throw it real far, but it'll eventually come back and hit you right in the face. We have to be careful. Look at verse 2. The entire population of Ziklag was taken captive. The two women, or the women here, small and great, without discretion. They just took everybody. But it says that they killed no one of the captives. Now, the men at this time don't know this. This is a commentary given to us here by the writer. But at this point, they believe they're all dead. And we'll see this very evident of that. This is just God's mercy because you realize David, when he made all the raids, he killed everybody so nobody would let him know what he was doing. And these guys had experienced the wrath of David and they didn't kill anybody. The sight of the city devastated them. You're on the horse. You're coming around where you usually see the city. Now watch. Their perception and understanding horrified them. Verse 3. So David and his men came to the city and there it was, burnt with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughter had been taken captive. You're driving around your house. You're going back home. You're always used to see your house. You, you, you drive around the corner, boom, it's burned. Oh, that's the idea. Devastated. The emotional distress was overwhelming. Look at verse 4. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. You ever been there? They wept so much to the point of exhaustion. Notice the personal loss that David is noted in verse 5. His two wives, Ahinoam the Jezreelite and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmenite were taken captive. Remember, she had kept him from avenging himself as she intervened. In verse 6, the situation was very perilous for David. Emotions are running high. 
If you know anything about our society, when policemen are called to a uh, domestic dispute, when family members are fighting each other and almost killing each other, when the policeman comes in and arrests one of them, the whole family jumps on the police. These guys are with David. All of a sudden, they're figuring out the city's gone, my wife, my child. David, you wreck. Whoa. Reality starts sinking in. He's been there by his own decision, not by the direction of God. Wow. The state of David is described. Listen. Now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Things are hot. David's freaking out. And the people want to take his head off. What does David do? He's been backsliding for 16 months. This is all his fault. Notice that David has sown to his flesh. He was reaping to it. Instead of trusting God from Saul, he fled to Achish. Be careful that you try to protect yourself or you think you're wiser than God when he directs you. The men had trusted David to protect them, to lead them in safety and their families. All of a sudden, everything comes home. Now look at still six. The reason for the men's hostility towards David is stated. Because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. They've lost everything, the most important thing, part of themselves. David was smacked backslidden. I said 16 months with Achish. You can get that in 1 Samuel 27, 7. 16 months. David lied again. He murdered. He endangered all his men and their families. This is the ultimate result. Now, look at verse 6. The response of David is stressed. David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. This is so good. Because there's a point in time, if you're backslidden or you're making wrong decisions, you have to recognize that you have to turn to God. You have to stop what you're doing in the flesh. This is what David does. This is always the right action. But not all of us do that all the time. You keep going. You're going to add to your hurt. So we want to acknowledge the carnality of David, but we want to acknowledge the right thing he did. He turned back to God. The evidence is given to us in 7 through 10. The wisdom of David to see God is given. Notice in verse 8, David humbly calls on Abiathar the priest. David said to Abiathar the priest of Himelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. You remember Abiathar came to David after Saul killed all the priests at Nob in 1 Samuel 22. The ephod was the way by which the priest knew the mind of, of God. Exodus 28 and many other chapters give us that. Now in verse 8, David wholeheartedly called on God for guidance due to the distressful situation. You will find yourself in situations by your own doing, and this is the right thing to do in that stress and that pressure. Go to God. God will put you in circumstances to see if you'll trust God, but don't blame God for the things you do. Okay? Now what do you do for stress? You, you take drugs? Half of America's medicated, the other half can't think. It's a scary situation. Notice the inquiry. So David inquired of the Lord Yahweh, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? Listen to the response. And he answered him, Pursue. You turn to God. The minute you turn to God, God will answer you. Let me tell you. He's going to answer you directly. He will lead you or guide you. Or he'll allow you to make the choice because whatever choice you make, he knows it'll be okay. One of the three. But he's never silent. You understand? And his delays are not denial. Be patient. Look at the assurance. For you shall surely overtake them 
and without fail recover them. This makes all the difference in the world. He's now seeking God. He's getting his direction. He's got his assurance. Look at verse 9. David, without hesitation, pursues now the Amalekites. The initial contingent, David went, 600 men with him. The continuing contingency is given us there also. They came to the brook Bezor, where those stayed who were left behind. Four miles, this is south of Gaza, which it empties into the Mediterranean. It's a little wadi, a little water kind of wash that goes out. The river there, pretty torrential when it's full. And notice the explanation for the two contingents is given to us in verse 10. But David pursued, he and the 400 men, for 200 stayed behind, who were so weary they could not cross the brook Bezor. There was such a heavy current. Without doubt, think with me, these guys have traveled for three days. Turn the corner, shock, cities burn, everybody's gone. They think everybody's dead. They continue not pursuing the enemy. 200 are so exhausted they can't cross this river, the brook. They stay behind. The remaining 400 now go with David. He's reduced to his original 400 that we saw when he fled from Saul and he went to the cave of Adullam in 1 Samuel 25, 13. 400, he began with 400. He's up to 600, 200 exhausted. He continues with four. You ever read the parable of the prodigal? The prodigal son? We always say the prodigal son, singular. There were two prodigals. The one left the house, spent all his inheritance, partying, women, liquor, ended up eating with the pigs. Been there? And all of a sudden he came to himself and he said, you know what? There are servants in my father's house that eat better than I do. I know what I'll do. I will rise up and I will say, I have sinned against God and against you, Dad. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your servants. And he got up and headed home. The father sees him, he runs him, embraces him, puts the ring on, gives him a robe, puts shoes on. Calls for the fatted calf to be slaughtered. My son was lost, now he's found. Party's going on. His older brother comes in. Here's the music. What the heck's going on? That rat, he's home. Oh, and he sees his dad celebrating. His dad gets wind of it. He goes out, says, hey, son, what are you doing? He says, dad, I've been with you all the time. I've never done this. I've never gone out with prostitutes. I've never, you know, gotten drunk, and I've never insulted you. I've stayed here. And he says, son... Everything I have is yours. Your brother was lost. Now he's found. Listen to me carefully. The prodigal that left recognizes evil against God and his sin against God, and he repented, came home. The other one remained in the house lost. There are hundreds of thousands of people sitting this morning in church who are the older brother. They're lost in the father's house, and they'll never be in heaven. Because they think they deserve heaven. Let me tell you, you and I deserve hell. Don't ever talk to God about deserving things. You might be shocked. We're saved by grace through faith. Two prodigals. It was his own doing that he was lost. How often Christians compromise their faith and they live in a backslidden condition and add to their own hurt. I've been pastoring for 30-some years. I've seen much destruction in Christians' life. Christians compromise with a little drinking, and it gets progressive. Pretty soon they're getting drunk all the time. Pretty soon they get a DUI. Christians compromise their commitment. They begin to date non-believers, and then they get involved emotionally. Then they get involved sexually, and then worse yet, they end up marrying a non-believer. Now they've got a divided home. 
And some of them even try to blame God. No, 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 that's your doing. We're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, Paul says to the Corinthians 7.14. Business, boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, certainly marriage. Christians compromise as parents, not holding their children accountable to go to church, to walk with God, facilitating them, the parents being part of the problem. If your kids are living under your roof, under age 18, they're your responsibility. Who runs the home? Children compromise in their own ways, many ways. We can go down a list. But you're the overseers over them. Christians compromise as parents, allowing their children to disrespect them, even perhaps to intimidate or to strike them. Listen to me. Never. I don't care how big you are or how big a mouth you have as my son. I'm your father. I've got the front door or the back door for you if you don't want to be here. You do not disrespect your mom or your dad. You understand me? But equally, I have to be respectful because I'm the father, right? That doesn't mean I I can't confront. Okay? But let's get priorities right, ladies and gentlemen. Christians compromise as parents not yet being examples of commitment to church. So they only go when it's convenient. They teach their children that the church is not a priority. It's not really important. And so if it's a nice day, well, you know, we go do something else. Listen to me. You are teaching your children the priorities of Christ in the church. You understand? Christians, worse yet, as parents allow their children to pick the church and they follow their children. (laughs) I don't understand it. So the kids pick a church that is fun. They have all games, all kinds of programs, but the Word of God is not taught. Well, great. It's like picking a restaurant that has nice music, nice environment, and you order, and they bring you pictures. (laughs) Bon appetit. Great. Jeremiah 2.19, listen carefully. Your own wickedness will correct you. Your own backslides will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord Yahweh your God and the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. That means war. He's never been defeated. The wisest thing a Christian can ever do when they are backslidden or fallen into sin is to repent and turn back to God. The first step is to acknowledge your sin. Second, to confess your sin. Thirdly, to abandon your sin. And whenever possible, fourthly, to make restitution of your sin. But it's not always possible. And sometimes it's dumb to try to make restitution because you open up Pandora's box. So you have to use discretion. Listen to Isaiah 1, 18 through 20. The invitation of God is given. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord Yahweh. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the lamb. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord Yahweh has spoken it. It's a choice, ladies and gentlemen. You can stay backslidden, you can stay lost, or you can turn back to God. It's up to you. You cannot blame God. The arrival and response that seen Ziklag was due to David trusting himself. Are you there? Are you in a situation because you've trusted yourself? 
Pastor Xavier Reese has been using the example of David to illustrate the simple truth that if we trust God, He will indeed guide us in the ways that honor and please Him. And we'll be seeing how God saw David through this difficult situation next time. But you can hear this program again for any part you may have missed simply by logging on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com and locating the radio listings link. You can pick up a CD copy of this message as well. And the title you want to ask for is David Looks to God Again. As usual, it's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to a friend in your church or Bible study when you're through. Once again, the title to ask for is David Looks to God Again or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com